Hi, this is Chad. I'm so glad to be part of your journey towards product mastery so that you can do a better job creating products that your customers love. That is a key objective of ours, creating love in our customers for our products. This episode is sponsored by the Rapid Product Mastery Experience. That's the RPM Experience. This is really the fastest way for product VPs and other product leaders to get everyone involved in product on the same page, learning foundational knowledge that they need to know to be more successful and to produce products that customers love more quickly. It's not like other training that you ran into before. It really is an experience that creates trust and collaboration and really helps everyone take ownership of what they're learning together. If you're interested in finding out more about that to see if it might be right for your group, please go to productmasterynow.com slash RPM. Today, we're talking with Maziar Alta, which is hard for me to pronounce. His last name is A-D-L. So I guess that's more like Ada, Adel. Maz, can you pronounce it for us? Yeah, it's Maziar Ad, actually. So okay. <laughs> close, I, but it's not, a, it's not a common name. So everybody has a hard time learning it. I'm getting used to it. It is hard for me. And I'll call you by your nickname, Maz. I appreciate that. Maz is the co-founder and CTO of Goshus, an organization that creates product roadmap management software. And when I met Maz, he told me about his company. And frankly, I asked, why does the world need yet another road mapping company, given the abundance of current options there that we have? And his answer really intrigued me because it identified a clear pain point that isn't getting enough attention. And then when I heard his backstory and technology leadership roles at Xerox and Experian and the challenges that he encountered with product roadmaps, I was really eager to invite him to share that backstory and why he ended up founding Gocious. And we'll find out more about that story in a moment. But so glad you're a guest on this podcast with us. And as the title of this episode conveys, our discussion is going to weave together topics for aligning customers' needs as well as business strategy. And also, listeners, we always create a written summary, a detailed summary of everything we discuss, including a one-page action guide to help you put into action immediately the key takeaways that are shared. You'll find those resources at productmasterynow.com slash 473. Maz, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I do want to bring in this backstory a little bit and get some more details about your experiences as a technology leader and kind of some of the things that you ran into in trying to align the you know, business strategy and product work and then communicating that and keeping everyone on the same page. Can you share some of that with us? Yeah, I think throughout my career, even out of college, I've been working with a lot of organizations that one way or the other obviously ship products. I started in consulting But one thing that was obvious to me is when it came to product management, you could see, I guess, silos. And the silos were actually coming from top to bottom. In other words, the executive team or the people who are on the top of the pyramid, they were making decisions and then translating those decisions in ways that would get to the engineering groups or different parts of the organization, but it would always sound the same or it kept the same story and you or created a mission that everybody would walk towards that mission in a clear way, somehow got lost in translation. Now, putting that aside, bottom up, you could see issues. So you would see, for example, engineering teams working on progressing the product and moving the product forward But then there was information that was not going back up to product management or to executive groups that are interested in driving the business outcomes to make sure that they, A, there's transparency and they understand what's going on. 
and B, to make sure that if th there is a misalignment, that they can bring it back on track. Now, if you look at the product management world itself, one of the things that I realized is in the past, let's say, 15 years, it's really a role that's extremely in flux. It's evolving so fast and it's changing so much. There is really now there is maybe practices or maybe courses in product management. But if you think about it, like 15, 20 years ago, there was really nothing that you could say. You go to school, you get a PhD in product management, you come out and this is how everything works. It's basically bringing a lot of skills together to make it work. So if you think that the role wasn't very well defined, then everything else follows, right? So the process, the tools, it was all over the place. It's not really satisfying what the business needs in its entirety to really drive a strategy for the product going forward. Okay. So that's where I realized that there's this need. In Experian, personally, the issue that I saw was I moved up the ranks in Experian until I was a part of the executive group. And obviously, when you're in that role, you're working in cross-functional teams. If you're in a middle management, usually your peers are in your same trade. So if I'm the director of engineering, I'm working with the director of cloud, then the director of maybe software or applications or QA, but we're in the same circle. But once you hit certain level, then my counterparties, my peers as direct or senior vice president of finance, you have marketing, sales. And that's when I started realizing what I understand the product to be and what these other people are understanding the product that's coming out is completely different. And even though at the top, the objective is the same or the direction is, you know, defined, but we're all taking a different route, even though we're all working on the same product, but it's just coming out the same, the, we have a different understanding of the product. That's when I realized that there's a real big gap in communication and we get surprised a lot at the executive level and that's not comfortable. You want to have more control, you want to have more oversight and at least if there's innovation coming even bottom up, you want to at least be in the know and support that wave in a constructive way. That's when I realized that there's really a need for this kind of a tool that can bring cross-functional teams together, specifically on the business side of things. Okay. Did you find a gap in the tools that were available? I don't know if you were in your product roles before you were on the yep. executive team, if you were using roadmapping tools at that point or not, and what was lacking, right? Yep. So there's two, I think my my journey in Gauchus has taken me to new spaces but when I was in Experian, the biggest gap that I saw is that if you look at the products that are that product managers use on a day-to-day, -day, so no strategic, but on day-to-day, -day, you can see that it's more of a, for example, for agile management, it's more of a ticketing system. It's very engineering focused. It's about cutting, for example, if you're in agile, it's cutting sprints and prioritizing the detail, what they call user stories. And if you're an executive or you're somebody in sales or in finance, if you have interest to log in into these tools, I don't think you'd understand much about what product is actually coming out in the end of the month or in the next year. You can't explain the product really well. So you still need someone that can communicate that to you as a person responsible for marketing or sales or somebody else. 
Now, that's the product manager's role is to clearly identify the features, explain it and engage with, with sales to get input or give sales or marketing output and same with finance. That tool doesn't work. It's very good for engineering to understand what's important, what's the requirements, for example. The second one is there are tools out there that do some of this work at the, I guess, more business layer or a layer above that, but there's still gaps. In other words, when you go into the tool, you can't see the portfolio of the products and it's not organized in a way that somebody in sales can say, okay, let me go down to that product X and see what the history of innovation on that product was. What else is coming into the market for that product? You mostly see initiatives. In other words, you see activities that are going on that would improve one or more areas of a product. And you see how those initiatives are prioritized and coming on a roadmap. But you don't, if you want to come back and say, for example, I have a car, let's say BMW. I want to see BMW 3 Series. What's the roadmap on BMW 3 Series? And I want to go back four years and see how it evolved over time so I can paint a picture of the entire product. And then I want to look at the portfolio, not just the 3 Series, but all the BMWs. I want to know how they're serving the market. You don't really see this picture in any tool. You see mostly... Tomorrow, we're going to have an initiative to reduce the carbon emissions of our cars, right? But, you know, the marketing is, okay, great. But what does that mean on Series 3? So it's very hard to understand how the product is evolving. You see how features are evolving or different initiatives are going on, but you can't take a picture of the overall system. And that's when I realized if everybody was on the same page on the portfolio that the company is providing from a product perspective, not project, these are not a portfolio of projects. These are a portfolio of products and then see the evolution of the products. Clearly, it will make a huge difference in the way these cross-functional teams come together and discuss the next stage of the products that have to come out the door. Okay. A lot of organizations are certainly functionally structured and we have the leaders of sales, of marketing, of maybe development and engineering. In the last maybe two, three years, we've heard more about the product-led organization. What was Experian? I assume Experian was sales-led, but I don't really know. I was in, an, in a part of an organization or the business called the Consumer Services or Experian Consumer Services ECS, and we were a D2C product. So we, like our, the team that I was part of, our products went to UK for, and it was built for UK, but it, the equivalent in the US is when you log into Experian website, you can subscribe to the service to see your credit reports, credit scores. You can choose credit cards, for example. So that's the product that we produce. So it was mostly direct to consumer. So we had a lot of feedback that we received either directly or indirectly, directly through focus groups, discussions or through analytical channels. So we saw how people are using the system. Our call centers would get calls for requests or issues and frictions. So those are the channels that we collected the customer needs. And then there was new product initiatives. So in order to grow our market share, we would have meetings where we would discuss, okay, what are the opportunities for complete new products? And what are the opportunities to integrating with or partnering with other organizations to build new products or sometimes acquisitions? What can we do to bring other companies into our team? Those are the strategic 
meetings we had sometimes once a quarter, but mostly twice a year, it would start taking action and it would heat up. So those were the channels that we received. But there was, during the time I was there, the organization went through a major transformation. And that, I can say, might maybe different organizations define product-led organizations a little differently. But we certainly started focusing more on, on driving from a customer's perspective. We had product management becoming more and more central in receiving customer feedback, making sure that customer feedback is properly translated, properly analyzed. And then we had the prioritization to come in. Prior to that, it was mostly, I don't want to say engineering-led, but it was much slower process and not everything was as analyzed. The product team wasn't as big and it wasn't as central to, to everything we did. It was mostly, you know, first of all, the engineering was all shared and engineering had a lot of power. In other words, we were mostly saying, this is the natural next thing to build. And the product would help prioritize, but it was mostly rebuild it, you try sell it kind of thing. So it was a little bit reversed. Unless there was a strategic acquisition, somebody in the executive level would say, we got to go buy this company. We want to open a new market. That was a completely different suit. But on the products that were going on, new features or new changes, it was very engineering led. Okay. I asked that because the gaps that you identified, if we are transitioning, and it sounds like the case I experienced, trying to be more product led, these gaps get amplified. If you're in the siloed organization, you focus on what your objectives are in sales, what your objectives are in marketing, what your objectives are in engineering, and you don't run into this as much. But if you really want to be more product-led and try to meet the needs of the customers and be more customer-aligned, then you start seeing these show up more. Exactly. What actions did you take along the way? Obviously, you created a company to help with this problem, but to try to start aligning those customers' needs and business strategy. This is a big picture of what product leaders care about. When we're product managers, we're, we tend to be more customer focused. I, that, I think that's rightly our job. When we're product leaders, we really do need to be aware of the business strategy and steering our efforts and product towards the business strategy as well. Correct. What did you do to align those things better? So there's two things. One is what we did in Experian, which I'm really proud of. I think Experian came a long way. And I think after I, I left the company, just kept continuing and just keep getting better. But one of the things at least we did in Experian when I was there once I, I got into my new role and it was in the process of transformation, not, it wasn't just me transforming, the whole organization, our leadership, even above me was asking for transformation and speeding up the, the innovation process. We, I worked with our head of or chief product officer at the time that was actually new. He joined our organization. I worked very closely with him to reorganize my team. So we, we were about, I think, if I'm not wrong, about 150 or so engineers. We started reorganizing the engineers to line up with product management. And he helped me work in a way that we had proper coverage from a product management perspective. And we could align how information got to engineering or how product management coordinated between the engineering and the rest of the business. Then in the same time, our group started putting more rigor in, in product management. So, for example, the chief product officer, this person that I mentioned, he, he came in and started putting some 
I guess you can call it discipline together, which was putting a product board together. We met on a regular basis to review the major items coming in. And that's when you would see different product managers from different parts of the product would come in and review the case. And these are for a longer term period. And you review either a case to open new markets, change, achieve objectives. And that's when it was an opportunity for us as a group to not only weigh in, but also to make sure that the activities are in line with the objective of the organization. At first, it was clunky and that was going all over the place, but it just over time, just through practice and exercise, we kept improving that process. And we started looking for, every time we saw something's not working really well or the product was not in line, not only we would correct it, but it was an opportunity for executives to lend a hand to, to product management. For example, we would reach out to our counterparts in U.S. and we would have joint sessions in product management to see what U.S. is doing in this in a specific area of innovation and if we can bring some of that to U.K. or vice versa. So we, we had these exchanges between regions. So I think overall, it was a from a people perspective, these two lining up and reorganizing ourselves to line up better with product management and growing the product team and giving them the empowerment, at least from my, what I could do, which was, I was mostly on the technology. I was a CTO of the group. That collaboration I felt was essential in, in bringing everything together. But the product team in general, at the time, the engineering team was all over the place. It was in US, middle of England. But the good thing was the rest of the group was mostly in, in London. And we, but we started bringing in product managers that were closer to engineering groups all over in every location. So we had product owners that were sitting and they would go back so they could work with London and communicate effectively with the engineering teams. So we expanded them as a result. So that was the history in Experian. But in Gauchus, the my remit changed working with our founder, Mr. Jake Schaffron, who this company was, or obviously his original vision was to help manufacturing in product planning and collaborating about the future of the products and the innovations that they have in the future of the products. And I come from a mostly a software background, even though I graduated with a bachelor's in industrial engineering and I worked a little bit in the manufacturing environments. But most of my career was in software consulting in the past, let's say, eight, nine years. I thought that this is bringing my knowledge in full circle. So since then, we've been interviewing and working with a lot of manufacturers, and we see the same kind of issues in, in manufacturing. But I can consider manufacturing two classes. You can see this less in software. Software is constantly evolving and changing. But in manufacturing, there are some mature companies that have certain innovation and they've found a niche and there's not a lot of innovation happening in the company. It's like it happens, but it's not frequent. You're, they're just producing the same thing over and over again, but they've found this sweet spot. And unless somebody really wants to come and disrupt them, it'll just keep going, right? This can be, for example, hangers in your closet. The person who's manufacturing that, there's not a lot of innovation happening, but it's a sweet spot. It's very hard to get into their market. So nobody's also challenging them. But putting that category aside, almost 
every complex manufacturing today is going through some major disruption and they really need to rethink the products in a lot of areas. And that's making this even more exciting. And one of the things that's happening is that in manufacturing software technology coming more and more and playing more central role on the hardware that's being manufactured, which means that the hardware teams have to change the way they design their products because that's one thing to build. For example, car is an obvious one, but even if you look at the history of, let's say, phone or laptops or computers, for example, I don't know if you remember, but in the original days, if you bought Commodore, the operating system came with it. You couldn't just go change the operating system. You had to throw the whole computer out, get another computer in. So eventually they started designing the computers in a way that you could change operating systems and the hardware would stay with you, but your computer would keep changing over time, even after it was out of the factory. So that's now happening more and more to other products from cars to jets to to industrial machinery, you can see it everywhere. And that means that more and more software teams are going to come in and play a more central role in the product development in these companies. And when that happens, you have to remember in manufacturing, I would argue since late 80s, there's not a major innovation that is a paradigm shift in in the way the manufacturing builds factories or processes the product development lifecycle. There are new toolings. So for example, there's PLM systems, there are things like this, but it's supporting the, these processes that was in place for a long time. Software, however, has created new processes, which are lean, agile, they call them, the, and there are new methodologies that is evolved or matured recently. And by recently, I'm saying at least up to five, six, seven, eight years ago, and it's still evolving. I think as these new software teams come in, they would change the way manufacturers think about their product development lifecycle, which is a great opportunity for product management to have a more central role and have a better definition of what it means to be a product manager and to step up to, right. to take more of a leading role in these organizations to bring these teams together and to connect them with the bigger business, this marketing, sales, executive leadership, finance, to connect them all. I think they're the linchpin to, to make this happen. So I think there's this exciting time. And of course, all this needs tooling. We thought that Goshes would be a great option for these kind of environments. So our focus is in this area to work and enhance this area on yep. larger software products or uh, companies that are bringing more and more software into their hardware environments. Yep. Like you, most of my product experiences in the software arena, and I was just having conversations with two senior product people this morning about the difficulties. They're, they happen to be, they're separate organizations, but they both have to be in engineering-led companies, kind of like you explained, like Spurian was at the point, and the challenges with just having product have a reasonable influence in driving the product as well and responding to customers. Exactly. And it sounds in that transformation that you experienced, the CPO was really the catalyst to come in and you must've had a very good working relationship to say, how can we restructure ourselves to do a better job of, of being coming more product led in a sense and more responsive to customers. And we need some kind of catalyst like that or it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think we got lucky. I guess I can say name, his name is Sebastian. He was, he was, he, 
worked out of the London office. I was in California at the time. So, but first of all, our relationship was extremely great and productive. And we had this great chemistry and we worked together productively to bring the, our organizations closer together. And we realized that the success of our teams depend on it. You have to remember, I think if you give a team and we were, I was one of the very lucky ones that I was working in a team that was extremely driven, mission oriented. And also we wanted to make a difference in the world. We really loved the business. We loved the group. And we really, if you're in that position, you want to see products, whether you're engineer, it doesn't matter what your role is in the organization. You really want to see your products go to market and make a difference and to impact or touch people. And so we had that in mind and we were working really hard to figure it out and see how we can meet the challenge that our bosses was set for us and make sure that the organization speeds up and makes products more relevant. So we started working together so closely that I ended up flying to UK every month for two years for 10 days. So 10 days out of the month, I was flying to UK and then coming back just to have this collaboration. It was very hard to do it remotely, especially with the time difference. Even though everybody, I sometimes took my team with me or some people and they would say, we don't know how you do it, but I wouldn't even sweat it. I just, I was so much in the zone. It was a great time and it was a good transformation to go through. Yeah, sure sounds like it. Yeah, more responsible for the customers in the process. Okay, I do want to hear a little bit about the details of Goshas and how you're helping out. Uh, first, before we get to that, we do like innovation quotes around here too. And I asked you to bring something for us and share that. What is that quote? And what does it mean to you? I have two, actually. Go right ahead. <laughs> One of them, I think I mentioned it to you. It's, it's from Steve Jobs. And he once said, I want to put a ding in the universe. And I think if you're in, a, in an organization that has great chemistry, great mission, you believe in the product, everybody believes in the products or services they're offering to society I think they're really driving hard to be remembered, to leave a legacy. And I think that's the ultimate and it's very generic. But there's another quote that's longer that is, I think, more relevant to our discussion today. And it's from an author and thought leader called Stephen Johnson. And I read this in Wired magazine, actually. He did an interview that happened there. And he says, if you look at history, innovation doesn't come just from giving people incentives. It comes from creating the environment where their ideas can connect. Now, if you look at the interview, he was talking about the chains in history where people came together from different parts and somehow they created this, I guess, innovation environment. But even if you bring it to a smaller context, so you take history out of it, the fact is if you bring people from different backgrounds together and you create an environment where they can work together and collaborate and to be able to speak in a common language, it will make a huge difference in, in creating more and more innovative products that customers can relate to. One of the biggest challenges is even if you bring, let's say, create incentives, as it says, you, you incentivize engineering or product or or let's say finance to sit together, but they're really not talking the same language. They don't have the right channels. They don't have the right environments or dashboards or the lingo or processes to work together effectively. All that has to come together to to make this an innovative environment. 
Finance needs to understand a little bit what product or engineering is doing and vice versa, but also you need to abstract it a little bit so these guys can talk together on the same wavelength. I think that's that quote to me was really caught my eyes, especially when I saw the, the topic of the po- podcast and this program. And so I thought this might be something that would be interesting at this time. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good quote. And he has a TED talk on where do ideas come from and corresponds to that really well. Thanks for sharing that with us. Thank you. Okay. So you identified some important gaps for us about just how we lose track sometimes in the alignment between what the organizations really thinks that they're moving towards, what product or engineering might actually be doing, and some disconnects in there. And through your experience, in part, this led to creating a solution for this. So tell us a little bit about how Goshus goes about helping with this problem. It's really interesting. So if you look at product roadmaps in general, the first thing that you think about when it comes to product roadmaps is it's a communication tool. It's about bringing people together and aligning them again for a specific strategy or to roll out a specific strategy. And The thing that we realize is when it comes to strategic roadmaps, even if people use tools, they end up taking copies of screens or export from that tool, put it in a PowerPoint or a document, and then go into meetings. And to us, this was first and foremost, just looking at that, something was not right. We were saying, look, if you're buying a tool to do roadmapping, most of that is to do communication. If you buy the tool, then you want to export from it, put it in another tool, and then go present in that tool. Something's not right. The second one is it has to be clearly connecting to different parts of the business, not just one part of the business. It's not a tool that is for product manager only. It is a tool for product management to communicate with the rest of the organization and even external to the organization, maybe customers or other partners. So this has to be a tool that even though it's specific for product management, but it is designed to to create, make the product manager a little bit superhuman. He can reach out to others, bring people together around the future of the product. And then the third one is it's, we wanted to provide an environment where the product manager can have one portal where it's a source of truth and they can do their job, for lack of a better term, using this tool end-to-end. So our vision is to have a product where product managers almost can do 80% of all their activities that requires compute or requires a space in this environment and not need to go somewhere else to figure out. But our focus at the moment is roadmaps. And the it's, you might say there's so many roadmaps. We're not talking about tactical roadmaps. We're talking about roadmaps that brings cross-functional teams together and can, can clearly define what's going to be the innovation for the future, what's coming out in the future. But it's not just between the product manager and engineering or product manager alone and customers. It's about bringing a cross-functional team together to align them and collaborate to make this roadmap happen. Yep. And that cross-functional team is from being driven from the top down to keep the everyone in alignment and also from the bottom up so that everyone's on the same page. Exactly. Yeah. When we first talked at the conference, that's what caught my attention was roadmapping 
really specifically from the perspective of what does the executive team need starting there exactly. to keep them on the same page and interacting with the product and engineering and everyone else. Exactly. I think product managers would be able to drive innovation much more effectively if they have the executive and cross-functional team right behind them. If engineering Absolutely. builds the best next thing, but marketing doesn't know how to market it, sales doesn't know how to really explain it or work with the customer to, to understand the benefits of it. If these things, or even if there's a lag between them that are long, I don't think you're going to see the full value of the product realized in the market. And in the same time, I don't think if engineering doesn't hear from marketing properly or sales and the product can't paint that picture for them, engineering won't be able to align their innovations with what the market really needs. Very good. Thank you for the information, for helping us understand what some of the gaps are. And I know people in the trenches, we understand these gaps as well and want help with them. How can people find out more about what Goshus does and resources you have available? I think obviously the easy one is you can check us on our website, goshus.com. We also have a LinkedIn site, to, which is under Goshus and it's G-O-C-I-O-U-S. And, but you can always reach out to myself, which I'm sure you have the email, mazir.ad.goshus.com. And you can contact us through our website also if you decide to reach out directly. So we have multiple channels. Uh, you can reach out for information. We, we provide demonstrations of our product. And if you're even more interested, but most of our information, you can see it on our website and our, uh, on our blog, which is linked from our website also. Very good. And those links will be in the show notes to make them easy to find. Moss, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And listeners, you will find the written details of everything we discussed and that one-page action guide to help you immediately put into action some of the key takeaways at productmasterynow.com slash 473. Everyone, keep innovating. Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.